Thank you very much to everybody who commented on the blog. I'm not going to read them all out because it's not Steve Wright. And a lot of them people just say, loving the show. Uh, Fiona says, already looking forward to the next instalment, David. I think that a daily blog post is called for. Oh, no, don't. Let's not go down that route again, Fiona. Yeah, the trouble is as well, it only takes one or two people to, to ask for it. And my ego will get the better of me. And before I know it, I'll be I'll be doing it again. Oh, God. I mean, there's so much going on that I need to talk about that I haven't even talked about yet. I mean, and all the stand-up gigs that I've done, the various stories that relate to that. So I do need to blog more regularly. Um, and I need to work out a way that I can do that really quickly. I need to get back into that creative habit, really, whether it be writing stuff down or just doing more blogs on location. So we'll, we'll see what happens. This one's called The Young'uns versus Mary Poppins. It was posted on February the 22nd, 2019. I am going to attempt an accent. It's sort of a Belfast accent, but... Just getting into the zone, blowing my nose. This particular person from Belfast does not have a cold. So just me. I'm really going to encapsulate the voice here. Are you going to be loud? Says George. We're in Belfast at the venue setting up for tonight's performance The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff. The venue is called The Strand, a very apt choice of name given that the whole place is hanging on by a thread. George works at The Strand and is providing threadbare assistance. Casing point, his response to our inquiry about whether we can have some power to facilitate the speakers working is to look at us concerned, as if surprised by the notion that a band playing to over 150 people would require amplification, and then to ask, are you going to be loud? We shake our heads at him in incredulity, but he takes this incredulous head-shaking to mean no, we're not going to be loud, and so flicks a switch that engages the speakers. Our sound engineer promptly plays music through the speakers to test the acoustic response of the room. George blanches, clearly aggrieved. Oh no, he intones. I'm sorry, but if you're going to be that loud, then Mary Poppins is going to have to come up. Was this some kind of weird euphemism? Is this him threatening us in Belfast slang? What does Mary Poppins coming up entail? Is Mary Poppins the nickname of a particularly domineering member of staff who doesn't hold with these loud English bands coming into her venue? Our sound engineer, let's call him Andy, because that's shorter than writing our sound engineer all the time, plus that's his name, silenced the music so as to make sure that he hadn't just heard what he thought he'd heard. Some incongruous statement about Mary Poppins. What did you say? asked Andy. We all waited to hear what non-Mary Poppins-related thing George had actually said. If you're going to be that loud, then Mary Poppins is going to have to come up. No, he had actually said that Mary Poppins was going to have to come up, and then stopped speaking, as if he'd just delivered a perfectly legitimate, comprehensible sentence. Mary Poppins, Andy repeated, irritation and confusion both etched into his voice. Due to some earlier ineptitude on George's part, we were now running behind schedule and we hadn't counted on further time being taken up with a surreal Mary Poppins-based standoff. Yes, Mary Poppins, George hostilely snapped back. What's Mary Poppins got to do with it? Andy exasperatedly responded, his questions sounding even more angry by the fact that he'd slammed his hand down on the mixing desk in frustration, knocking the unmute button on the mixing desk, causing the microphone that he was holding to amplify his words. Mary Poppins is next door, says George, for some reason leaning into the microphone, perhaps thinking that Andy was trying to use the microphone to give him the upper hand. Mary Poppins is next door, Andy responded, his voice bordering on rage, which was heightened by the fact that he'd just located the mixer's reverb function. 
A minute ago, I hadn't expected to hear the words Mary Poppins once. But in the last minute, I'd heard it said over ten times, with increasing levels of angry intensity, and now reverb. Michael, concerned that the two of them were about to come to blows, whilst shouting increasingly baffling phrases about Mary Poppins in each other's faces, over a variety of reverbs and delay effects, decided to step in. Finally, a voice of reason to help deriddle this confusion. And if Michael Hughes is the voice of reason in a situation, then you know things have gotten bad. The Strand is part theatre, part cinema, and it transpires that the cinema, which is next door, would be screening Mary Poppins at the same time that we were on stage doing our show, and George was concerned that our show would drown out Mary Poppins. He seemingly wasn't at all concerned that Mary Poppins would in any way affect our show. He clearly valued Mary Poppins much more highly than anything that we might be doing in the room next door. The majority of our show isn't particularly loud, but there are a few brief louder parts, and we were now worried that during one of the louder moments, George would ramp up Mary Poppins and then keep her up even during our quieter moments. The last thing we wanted was Johnny's heart-wrenching, poignant recounts of men he knew who had died fighting fascism to suddenly be accompanied by a jolly blast of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious as our audience wiped away the tears from their um diddle um diddle um diddle eyes. Callie, our man behind the show's visuals, had finally, after an hour of exasperated attempts, got the projector working. Once he'd realised that the secret formula was to essentially do the exact opposite to what George said to do to get it working. It's incredible that of all the places on this tour, the most challenging projector to get working belonged to a cinema. Finally, after an irritating hour of George shouting baffling instructions about what needed sticking where to get the projector to function, whilst Callie, with admirable resolve, resisted the growing urge to tell George where he could stick it, the projector was working. Not wanting to risk any more projector problems, Callie said that he would leave the projector on so that it was ready for the show. But George grumbled about this, saying that we should turn the projector off until it was needed. George was indifferent to Callie's reasoning that it had taken over an hour to get the projector set up, and the whole thing was clearly temperamental, and so it was surely best to leave it on. But George kept countering that he was going to turn it off until the start of the show. At this point, Callie told George that the projector was staying on, and that was that. George reluctantly demurred, but then, 15 minutes later, when Callie returned from getting a sandwich, he caught George standing in front of the projector, his finger poised over the off button. Fortunately, Callie intervened and reiterated that the projector was staying on. George slunk off. Half an hour before the show started, Callie went to investigate the situation with the projector and was pleased to see that it was still on. Phew, George had seemingly finally got the message. But when the show began, Callie pressed the button to launch the first image and the screen was blank. The audio was playing, but there was no image. The show was now underway, but the images weren't working. Callie needed to be back within a minute to cue the next audio-visual slide, but he needed to see what was happening with the projector, although he had a hunch what might have happened. He tore through the back doors and ran to the room opposite, which housed the controls of the projector, where he had caught George skulking about half an hour earlier. Behind him, he heard running footsteps and wheezing. As he pushed the door to the projector room open, Callie caught sight of a clearly panicked George. I'll turn it back on, George spluttered, but Callie didn't have any seconds to spare. He ran into the room, the door slamming behind him in George's face. George chastised Callie for shutting the door with such intensity, reminding him that Mary Poppins was playing next door. Callie made some explicit remark about Mary Poppins that, if carried out, certainly would warrant a much more stringent film certificate rating. I I'll do it, squeaked George. You don't know how to turn it on. Callie suggested that maybe the way to turn it on was to press the big on button. 
And indeed, upon pressing the button, the projector came on and the image was showing on the theatre screen. Then Callie saw at the other end of the room a second projector, presumably responsible for showing Mary Poppins. As strong as the temptation was to disable George's precious Poppins, Callie had just ten seconds to race back into the room in time for the next cue. So he had to forego the urge. It's probably a bit unprofessional of me to slag off a venue and a member of staff in a blog, but it's not as if we want to ever play there again. Besides, it's very unlikely that George will find out about this blog, as that would require him to be able to read, or be able to operate a computer to listen to the thing. This Wednesday, the BBC television programme Inside Out featured a ten-minute piece on the ballad of Johnny Longstaff, which you can watch here. You'll have to Google it or look it up yourself, or use the environmentally friendly search engine that I've seen advertised on YouTube, where trees are planted for every search that is made. You know, so now you can watch porn, you can watch people being exploited, knowing that at least a tree has been planted. Excellent. It's 19 minutes in. Uh, Sadly, George from Belfast doesn't make the cut. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back very soon. I've got loads of stuff to talk about, so I need to be blogging in the next few days. And just a little note to say, if there are any casting agents or anything like that who are going to get in touch at the back of my Belfast accent, and please don't waste my time if you're not going to, you know, my voiceover work and acting, you know, let's don't take the mick. Let's offer a decent salary for, for such talent.